Hi, Raphael Bender here, founder of Breathe Education, and you're listening to the Pilates Elephants podcast with me and my co-host, Chloe Bunter. There are many things that are awesome about the Pilates industry. However, many of the practices we take for granted are out of date or just plain pseudoscientific. These are the elephants in the room in Pilates, and we're here to talk about them openly and honestly, and with a fair few F-bombs thrown in. This show is about debunking the myths and giving you science-based tools to become a better, happier, and more fearless teacher. If you've been enjoying the show and you want to give back, give us a five-star rating and write us a glowing review on Apple Podcast app. That'll help other instructors find the show and let us know we're making a difference. If you want to create more financial abundance for yourself in the Pilates world or even more, if you don't believe it's possible to create financial abundance in the Pilates world, you've got to listen to this episode with Leslie Logan. Hey, Chloe. Hey, Raf. How are you going? <laughs> yeah, I'm awesome today. How are you? <laughs> I'm really good. Well, I, I'm good and I'm wearing, uh, I'm wearing my red lipstick. Uh, because we are going to be introducing uh, a, a very, um, very famous in the Pilates stratosphere uh, person and dear friend of mine who is also known for her signature red lips uh, with her activewear, the incredible Leslie Logan. Yay! <laughs> So why is Leslie is beyond awesome um, and has just the most uh, incredible energy and no bullshit uh, mentality and advice and truly, truly believes and embodies that you can and will have (laughs) what what you you know you work for and what you put out there uh, in in your Pilates Pilates career and Pilates business. Yeah, um, I mean Leslie is a fantastic Pilates practitioner. She's a great teacher, uh, but what she's really I think you know making the biggest dent in the world with is and what we talked about uh, uh, in this or what we're about to talk about in this upcoming chat is uh, how to have a fantastic financially and personally rewarding career. So it's about generating the, the income that you want and deserve and doing that in a way that's sustainable and ethical for you. Yeah, so Leslie's, she's full of wisdom, but she's also take no prisoners, no bullshit. Like, yeah, that's why <laughs> I love her. Spade spade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she does. She's, she's really awesome. So uh, I'm so excited for everyone to listen to this and also take away some absolute gold that no doubt uh, you can all apply uh, in your own your own business. Yeah, this is an awesome chat and uh, I think you're going to love it. I'm super pumped to be here with Leslie Logan um, and because we're going to be talking about something that's dear to my heart and I know super close to, to, to your heart, Leslie, uh, pay for Pilates teaching. So, um, yeah, Leslie, for, for anyone who's been living under a rock and hasn't heard of you, could you just give us the, the brief brief rundown of who you are? Oh, wow. Yes. Hello. I'm Leslie Logan. I am a Pilates instructor since uh, 2008 now, and uh, I got really frustrated with 
having a hard time hiring instructors. And I was finding so many people asking me questions about how I got so many clients so quickly that I ended up founding Profitable Pilates, which is ProfitablePilates.com. It's a book, everything but the exercises. Uh, we actually are editing it to um, keep it current. And um, I'm proud to say there was very few edits except for that Snapchat and like web pages aren't a thing anymore. But, um, so I'm, I am, that's who I am. And I coach fitness business, um, companies all around the world. We have, my husband and I now have coached over a thousand, um, companies in the last three years alone. And we run our, um, Pilates slash fitness business coaching group agency. It's over three years old now, over 160 businesses are in it. It's really amazing. So that's me. Wow. <laughs> So, you know, I put this I put this out on socials this morning, only a couple of hours ago, and said, um, you know, we're going to be chatting about pay and ask people, you know, what are their questions, problems, you know, challenges around pay and really got a, a, an explosion, a deluge of questions. Um, I'm pretty sure we won't be able to get to all of them, but uh, there are there are some themes there. And so, we'll, you know, a little bit later on, I'd like to dive into into some of those. Um, but, uh, I know you've got a real, a passion for this area around pay and business yeah. and, you know, because it all ties in and I do as well. Um, so I guess, uh, to, you know, I'll just set it up for you and then let you riff, um, to yeah. start with. So I believe that as a general rule, we undervalue ourselves as a profession uh, whether that's as individual instructors or as studio, you know, business owners, and that we don't, we don't, we don't uh, either set up our businesses so that we are profitable enough, and we don't charge enough for our services. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I wonder, you know, what you see as the main sort of blockers that people have to, you know, to to charging what they're worth, basically. Oh, I mean. There's a, I see a lot, um, a few, few things that I see. So most people got into teaching because they love it and they want to help people. And for whatever reason, people think that asking for money for that or charging more for that is bad or wrong. Or like, well, I just want to help people. Like I just, that's what I hear often. And the truth is, is that when you are charging for something, you're not charging for your time or using your wallet as the example of what to be charging people. You're charging for the transformation that you provide. So a lot of undercharging comes from people feeling guilty for to charge for something that helps people, which I don't know what your medical bills look like in Australia, but in the States, they charge me a, a quite a fortune to help me <laughs> feel better. So um, I don't think that's a general rule, but for whatever reason, it's the rule in the Pilates world. Um, and another reason I think that we undercharge is so many teachers are afraid to raise their rates. So then what ends up happening is that someone who's been teaching for 10 years has too low of rates because they set them too low at the beginning and they never raised them. Or if they did, they raised them $2. Um, I hear all, I've had to talk many teachers that are like, I'm going to raise my rates a dollar. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, please, you cannot, like you must, I won't let you leave this room if it's not $5. <laughs> like we got to talk about this, but the, so because the senior teachers aren't raising their rates consistently with inflation and with their experience and the value that they're giving people and the transformations, the newer teachers are coming in. And because training programs don't actually tell them how to know what to charge or how much to charge or any of those things, and no offense to training programs that maybe try, like it's a, 
people go to school for this, right? So it's can't like, you can't just put it all in one program. So a newer teacher comes in and goes, oh, well, my teacher trainers only is charging this much. So I can't charge that much. So then they charge under. And then because their teacher trainer never raises their rates, they don't see any example to raise their rates. And then basically we just have people coming underneath and no one is actually raising anyone up. And that's a problem. The other reason I think that we charge too much, too little in this industry is you have to remember like the people who really are, who came and brought this industry forward. Most of them were dancers. And I wasn't a dancer, but knowing people who are in the entertainment industry in New York, who are actors and, and performers, um, they are, they are told that you, you do a lot for free. They do a lot for free, right? They perform and they're, they're like getting their name out there and they're doing all these things. And then someone tells them how much they're worth. So they're used to like waiting for someone to tell much they're worth. And that all those three things, plus many other reasons we can probably talk about later in this conversation or why we don't charge enough. And so then even when people who are somewhat business savvy come in, they're like, well, every other studio in town's only charging this much. So I can't charge what I need to charge to have my profit margins because no one else is charging that. And it just becomes a, a big problem. If we all just got together and rose each other up, we could create space for new teachers to come in and make a living wage. We could actually, you know, have senior teachers making a wage that they feel valued at. That's, you know, Yeah, I I really, uh, I really agree with what you say about um, basically, I think we have some kind of ethical hangups about, about charging, you know, what we're worth and also about, about making money. We somehow feel like it's, it's, it's unethical to, to make a significant amount of profit from helping somebody. Yeah. And to me, that just doesn't, I don't understand why that is. Yeah, I don't either. Um, and you know, one of the coaches that I, I worked with early on actually helped me understand probably where it comes from. I didn't know this, you know, I didn't know why this bothered me so much, but he made it really clear. He's like, you know, especially at least where I grew up, where you're, you're told like money doesn't grow on trees, you know, a penny saved is a penny earned. And so you are raised thinking that money is scarce. And also, uh, I was raised that like rich people, like they have more money, more problems. Right. And like rich people are, you know, taking from other people. And what I wasn't told is that, and what is what he is a big proponent. I was like, when good people make good money, they do great things. And so one of the things I talked to a lot of teachers about who, who feel guilty because they don't need the money. So then they don't know how much to charge because they don't really need the money. And I, and I always say to them, well, you have to charge like you do and then just donate all the money you don't need to a charity that makes sense to you. But the truth is, is that money is money is energy. It's actually an exchange, right? So you as a teacher are pouring into a client, you're giving your energy into a client, into a class, into a duet, whatever it is. If they are underpaying you back an energy because you didn't charge enough, that's where burnout comes from. That's where resentment comes from. That's where like, you're not inspired comes from. And that's on you because you didn't actually set the rate up to begin with. They didn't, they didn't know they were agreeing to an equal, an unequal exchange. They thought, Oh, this is how much you want to, that's what you're charging. They're not going to ever come to you and go, you know what? You give me so much. Let me pay you double every time you might get one or two, but that's not how it goes. So I think it's like if people could stop seeing money as this like evil thing and see it as something that actually can make change on this planet and is a way to refuel their energy 
um, I think we would have a whole, be having a whole different conversation around how to charge what we're charging. Well, all right. I, th- I think there's a couple of things I really like to unpack there. Um, the first one is uh, around what you said about, well, essentially to paraphrase, you, you said, you, you know, we see money as evil or not evil. We see um, basically that, you know, we're taking advantage of people by charging them too much or it, it's, or that we, it, it's, we don't see it as an exchange of value. We see it as a zero sum, like we're taking something from the client you know, by charging them um, rather than as, as an exchange of value where we're both better off. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, this could equally, equally apply to if you're, if you're charging a studio owner for your services, right? It's, you know, the studio, you, we see like, oh, we're taking something from the studio owner or the studio owner sees like, oh, my staff are taking this money from me. Mm-hmm. I think that's totally the wrong mindset. It's an exchange of value, yeah. right? So, you know, I'm providing some value in the form of, teaching Pilates and that is more valuable to you than the money that you give me. So we walk, we both walk away and, and this is what um, Blair, uh, I think it's Blair Entz um, calls the double thank you moment where at the end of our, you know, relationship, our commercial relationship where we both, you know, shake hands and go, that was awesome. Thank you. And we both feel better off. You know, you're like, I'm so glad I spent that hundred dollars, you know, because right. now I'm better off for it. And I'm like, I'm so glad I taught that session because now I'm better off for it. And we'd both do it again yeah. in a heartbeat. 100% people pay attention to what they pay for. And when you devalue your services, they, you, they're going to devalue the transformation and they're not going to take it as, um, as serious as if they had to pay more. And you have to understand that people aren't going to buy something that they don't think that they need or they don't see value in. Like you're not tricking anyone. Okay. So if you give them a session and you tell them that this is how much you're charging, if you didn't, and it's on the marketing, it's not the dollar amount. People think, well, they didn't buy it. So it must be the prices. No, it's probably how you ran that session. To be honest, every first time session I see is people trying to sell Pilates versus showing off how they're the expert and the best guide for the client but that's a whole other topic. However, if people feel that value in them, they're not going to go, Oh, you know, that is too much. No, they're going to figure out a way because they want to feel the way that you made them feel over and over and over again. And so it's just really important. I remember I, my, I was going through a personal training program. And the only thing I remember from it, uh, because I never became a personal trainer is this, if you discount yourself, you'll be discounted. And that was like something I just, kept in my mind on everything. It's like above all else, like do not discount yourself because you will be discounted. Like when, when people are cutting their budget, they're not, they're not cutting the most expensive things they are cutting the things that feel discounted to them. Right. Yeah. And what you said there really um, is, uh, I think it's about positioning around, well, if you're a commodity, you know, you have to charge the same as everybody else, because if there's no difference between you and the Pilates studio, up the block, well, you can't charge more, but to the degree that you can position yourself as different, you can charge more, right? So I think, you know, if your positioning is the same as all the other people, you're going to have a hard time charging more than them. And so, you know, I think a lot of, uh, uh, that's what a lot of Pilates instructors do uh, and studio owners, they look around and go, what's everyone else charging? You know, (laughs) Um, I know, they do. I know. I've just posted this on Instagram. It drives me crazy. Like, well, uh, the going rate in my neighborhood. Yeah, you should probably know what it is. Like, that's good. You should also know 
how you're uniquely different than them because when people come to you that you're not the best teacher for, you can say, you know what? I, um, I actually don't specialize in that. You can go to this person over here. Or if someone is calling around based on price only for, for Pilates, which is not a great client to have because it's a race to the bottom when you're trying to be the cheapest one in town so that you don't want that client anyways. Cause they're, they're looking, they're looking to say they did something, not actually get the transformation. You know, you don't know their profit margins. You don't know if they own the building. You don't know if they care if they make money. You don't know the last time they raised their rates. It's just a problem to me when I see people do the going rate, you need to know what your unique qualities are. So why do people come to ask your own clients? Like, Oh, what is it that you like about our sessions? Ask them if they talk to their friends about plies, what do they say? Hear what they're saying. You know, people love, like I know people love, they love how spunky I am. They know how honest I am and they love how I give them a really strong workout and I don't let them quit on themselves. Like that's what I'm known for. So when people have a problem with my prices, I say, here's the deal. We have a lot of fun. I'm going to hold you accountable. You will get a strong workout and you will get change in your body. But I understand that price can be an issue for some people. So go ahead and think about it. Try out other teachers. Here's a couple other teachers in town. Let me know. People love honesty like that. If they take a session from me, they can feel that. I focus on why I'm the guide for them. That's what you should always be doing. So it's not about selling Pilates. You're selling. You are actually taking them on a, like almost like a buffet tour of like your teaching. And you are showing them how you can help them reach their goals. At the end, you don't ask them if they like it. You thank them for coming in. You tell them how often you want to see them. That certainty is what wins every time. And then sure, maybe they have to go think about it, but it's not because of your price. It's often because they need to understand if they can keep a commitment to themselves. Are they going to show up for this agreement that they just made with you? Can they actually come that many times a week? What people don't realize is most objections have nothing to do with price have everything to do with like the person's life before. How often have they quit on themselves? How many times have they tried a new workout and never went followed through with it? So you're going up against their whole life, but it's not your price. It's like, it's, that's like the tiniest thing. Right. And, and, you know, value is, you know, the value of something is true. You know, there is no true value of something. There's, there's what someone's prepared to pay for it. And, and it, that value is going to be different for each person, you know, like, 100%. um, you know, for each of us, there are things that we place a high value on that we would pay more for than someone else would, you know, like, um, I noticed you've got red lipstick on and I don't know how much it costs, but if it was more than zero, I wouldn't buy it, you know? Because I don't value, <laughs> that's not something I value, right? right? Whereas right. for you, whatever you paid for it was a fair exchange for the for the value that you obtained from it. You are correct, 100%. I mean, like, my, my husband and I have a different opinion on value of leggings, right? Like, he just needs a pair to get through yoga class. So he's like, these will fit, this is fine. I am like... I'm like, is that $200? I don't know. Let me see. Well, I actually don't have that color. Like, (laughs) do you know what I mean? Because I value them because I wear them every day because I show them off. And so we can't, that's why it's also, you have to know your unique qualities. You have to know the competition, not to see them as enemies, to see them as community and to actually know who you can refer people to because they'll refer people to you because of like, oh, wow, Graf keeps referring me these amazing clients who love classes. I got all these people who want privates. I don't do those. I can send them to RAF because that's what he specializes in. Like that's what's so amazing. And then the other thing is like, if you're really clear on who you are best designed to, to, to teach and in the very beginning of your career, if you're like, I don't know who that is, the person who you were before Pilates is who you're best designed to teach. That's who you're, if you talk to those people, 
they are going to see the value offer because you get them. And everyone just wants to feel seen and people will pay to feel seen. I think ultimately that's what they do pay for because really at the end of the day, they could just get $12 a month on Pilates anytime and do the workout at home. Right. Right. So, so what are they paying you more than $12 a month for? Well, they're paying to be seen. They're paying for the accountability. They're paying for the it factor that you bring. They're not paying for the list of exercises you give them. That's for sure. Um, So, all right. I think a lot of this comes from also fear and a scarcity mentality that if, all right, so I don't want to differentiate myself and say, I only serve these people and I don't serve these people because then I feel like, oh, well, I'm cutting off so many potential clients, um, you know, therefore mm-hmm. I, I will make, you know, I won't make a living, right? Or, or I don't want to put my prices up because then I'll make myself inaccessible to so many people and therefore I won't have enough clients and I won't make a living. And so I think there's a real kind of scarcity mentality around this, you know, yeah. do you see that? Oh yeah. Everybody's trying to be for everyone because they don't want to be rejected. Yeah. So if you are to say, this is who I'm best served to teach, like this community of people. So I'm best served to teach. And then you hear crickets. That's what everyone fears. But the truth is, is that you're probably hearing crickets because your marketing materials are actually just talking like, come to my Pilates class at 6 PM on Tuesdays and Thursdays. That doesn't speak to anybody. Right. So when you actually zero in and talk to just the people that you are like the best served to teach, you're still going to get people who wish they were those people. You're still going to get some, you know, you're going to, I talked only to flies instructors on my Instagram account. You think I'm not teaching, training uh, yoga teachers, doulas, other, other fitness businesses. I totally am because they see how much knowledge I have. And I, I, my words resonate with them. So you're going to, you're going to limit yourself ish, but it's going to make your marketing easier. It's going to make people feel very seen. It's going to make them feel valued. And so you're assuming though, that that small amount of people that you're best served to teach is like five people, but there are like seven and a half billion people on this planet. And in your community, there's a lot of people And most of you, most people listening to this do not need more than 10 or 15 clients to come each week. Most people like to make the money they want to make in a year. If you're a studio owner, yeah, you're going to need probably close to a couple hundred people, but still most of you live in a city that has enough people to be coming to make that happen. So you're not, you're not going down to five people. Um, and so that, that's a fear of, um, it's fear of rejection and it's a scarcity mindset. And it's not, when you focus on what you don't have, you're not going to have what you want. <laughs> it just doesn't work like that. Yeah. I mean, that's really a paradoxical, you know, law of marketing. And, and it really is the first thing you learn in marketing 101 in any business course is you must specialize. You must you know, choose your niche and and be for that group of people. And and by by definition, that means you're not for the others. Yeah, and that doesn't mean I understand people going. Well, I need to be really inclusive. I understand this whole mindset. You being only for a certain amount of pe- certain type of per- person or group of people doesn't mean you're exclusive. If you are take a moment to figure out who is best served to teach other people in your community, make a list, make sure you have their contact information. And when people come to you that you're not the best served to teach, you just refer them out. You go, you are amazing. I'd love to teach you. Here's the deal. Like that's what you're looking for is not actually something I specialize in. You're going to get much better results with so-and-so they are going to remember you They're You're going to add so much value just doing that. They're going to already trust the person that you're sending them to, which is great for that person. 
that person's going to remember you back. It really does make you able to not feel like you have to take 17 trainings that you're not going to raise your rates for. And so then you're just negative every year on your business expenses because you're taking all these trainings to try to make yourself for everyone. And that doesn't work. It just makes you crazy. I think that's a really important distinction. Um, and this, I think this, yeah, like you say, this conversation is not about excluding people. Like if anyone right. wants to come and take your class, they can, right? Yeah. But what you're saying is, well, this is my niche. This is my specialism, right? This, you know, I'm, I'm about, you know, if, for example, athletes or people who want a strong workout or whatever. And I don't really know a lot about prenatal, right? So if you're prenatal and you want to come to me, I mean, you can if you want, but it's, I'm not, I'm probably not the best person <laughs> for that. Right. right. 100%. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, and it makes you like, I feel like a lot of teachers lack confidence because they are constantly fe feeling they don't know enough because they're not drawn a line of Santa who they won't teach. And so then again, they're not going to charge the right amount because they have a lack of confidence and what they do know. But like, if you sat down and you wrote down everything you do already know, that's a lot more than the average person knows. And then when you really acknowledge that, like, I, can I teach my clients who are with me pre postnatal? Yes, I do. I don't pass them off. But if someone who is pre postnatal comes to me, I've never worked with, I'm like, here are five women who are amazing at this. And it's why, because it's just going to make me feel more confident when I show up for the people that I have I'm not going to like, Oh, I don't know how to teach this person as good as someone else, someone else can. So, you know, they've done a training in that and that's where, it, and they, and they charge that premium for that training for that. Yeah. Um, I'd like to uh, just go to one or two questions, if that's all right now, from from uh, social media, because we've got just a heap of them here. Um, and there are a couple of questions. Uh, I'm going to kind of smush, smush a few of them together because there were themes. We've got, you know, dozens of questions. Um, but basically, you know, one theme that repeated quite often was uh, from studio owners um, in, in uh, more rural towns, in regional, you know, towns, maybe, I don't know, I'm guessing, guessing population 20,000, 30,000, something like that. So it's not like a one horse town where there's just a general store and a, <laughs> you know, okay corral, but yeah. it, it, you know, it, it's not LA um, or, or, or Sydney. And so, you know, basically the, the questions are around, okay, I run a small studio. I've only got four or three Pilates reformers in my space and I do group classes, but, you know, group is only three or four people. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I don't charge that much for my clients because it's the country and we charge less in the country. And uh, therefore, you know, and I have these, you know, grads coming from the city and they're expecting X, Y, Z amount per class and I can't afford to pay that, you know, so how do we navigate that? Yeah. So first of all, I think everybody needs to just take a moment that it doesn't matter where you live in this world. It's going to be hard to do business because it's hard to run a business. It's running the business is hard. And I have traveled everywhere and I hear the same thing. It's hard here because I live in a rural area and there's only 20,000 people. I'm the only studio. It's hard here because there's, there's like 27 studios. I'm in a big city and it's hard to get known. It's hard here. Like everyone thinks the grass is greener somewhere else. And the reality is, is that again, you look at your uniqueness in your town. You're probably the only studio doing what you do. And if there is another studio, that's still okay. 20,000 people is a lot of people. So for studio owners, you actually have to think about what you want your studio to gross for the whole year, like what you want it to actually do. And that should include your salary. Okay. Then you have to think about like, make sure it includes your expenses, all that, like really make sure it's clear. 
then you have to think about how, uh, how many, how many weeks a year is your studio open? Then how many days so you divide your gross dream number by how many weeks your studio is open? Then you divide that number by how many days a week your studio is open. And you divide that number by how many hours a day on average your studio is open. The number you get is a number you have to be averaging every hour your studio is open in money. If you do this correctly, then you will actually be charging enough to pay your employees a wage. Now, employees, I'm going to say, I have information for you later. We can talk about studio owners. When you are actually charging for services, you cannot charge the 60, 40 stuff, 50, 50 stuff. That is all BS. You, you have so many costs that you lose just on the moment someone pays, you already lost money. So it's not 50, 50 because you already are, un, you've already lost probably 3% of your using Stripe, right? So, so you have to, they can't be percentages. So what I would say is whatever you're charging, you know, that one third of that is about what you're char- you're giving the employees. So employees, when you're going to look somewhere for work, they really can only give you one third and keep their business up. This is not, they're not rolling in it on these margins. Like really they're not like, that's the basic. So when I see people doing 60, 40, the student, the teacher gets 60 or the student teacher gets 40, it's still, it's not good enough. You're not giving yourself room when you have to close for a week because maybe a pipe burst or something like that. You don't have profit margins for that. So you want to think about how much you're charging for your services and think one third is going to go to your teachers and probably one third is going to go to taxes. But you know, you'll talk with your accountant about that. They can be creative in lots of places. So you have to charge enough to give them a wage that is attractive to come and work for you. But also it should be in line with making sure you average what you're supposed to make to make that magic number you want each year. Here's the deal. If you only have three reformers, that is not a group class. That is a (laughs) semi-private. And that is a unique thing when people are like, oh, this is really expensive. Well, it's you and two other people, right? So you have to really think about it. Like you can't, don't, don't look at big city studios and try to have a same model as them. It's not going to work. Call yourself a boutique space. That already means it's going to be a little bit more expensive. And then really make sure that you are focusing on the value you're adding. And maybe you don't do 55 minute sessions, maybe do 45 minute sessions. And so then you can have different prices because it's not a full hour, you know, so you have to get creative, but you have to start first with how much money you want to make and then work your way down. Otherwise, if you start with how much I'm going to pay the teachers or how much I'm going to charge this, this is the worst. How much am I going to charge for this class? And then you're trying to pay a teacher and then you're trying to make money. That doesn't make any sense. You got to start with the main goal and, and mind first. Yeah. I think that's so, such a beautiful explanation. And I, I think there's something in there for the instructor as well. Like, so if I'm, if I'm applying for a job at your studio in a big city or a small town, and I see that you've only got three reformers and I know that you charge $20 per client for that session. Well, I know the revenue is is $60 maximum on a good day. Maximum. Right? So, yeah. so what can I, what can I realistically expect to, to take home for that session? Right. So, so if I'm, if I'm applying for a job at your studio, I just looking at your timetable, right. Even on just on the internet, looking at your timetable, I should already have an, some kind of inkling about what, what you're going to be paying your instructors, not going to be $65 a class. Yeah. And the other thing is like, as far as like pay goes, you know, there's so many other things that can, you can give an instructor to make it attractive for them to work there. There could be, maybe they get to take X amount of classes for free. Maybe they get for every six months they're there, they get money towards education, or maybe you just bring in education once a year that they get for free. Um, maybe there's, I don't know, healthcare or something like that. Like there's different ways to make something attractive for an employee. 
I, I feel like we'll get to the employees in a little bit, but like, you know, I think, um, employees have to understand if you want to be an employee, you don't have the same risk that a studio owner has. If the studio doesn't bring in enough money, like if they don't get three people in that class, but they owe you $20, even if there's only one person, that's a lot of risk they just took on and they're doing all the marketing. They're taking on the insurance. Like there's a lot that they expend. And so the perks of being an employee are that in theory, you show up, you do the job that they, you agreed to do and you leave. And so when a pipe bursts, you're not the one stressing about it. <laughs> when a spring breaks while a client using, is using a reformer, you don't stress about it. Like there is a give and take and so you have to decide as a, as a human, like, do I want to be in charge of how much money I make on this planet? Or do I actually want to just focus on like really loving what I like just teaching Pilates and there's nothing wrong with that, but like, just be mindful. Not everyone's meant to be an entrepreneur and a small business owner and, and not everyone's meant to be an employee. I am a terrible employee. <laughs> so. I, I think what you said there about risk is, is spot on that. I mean, just in life in general, you know, risk and reward have a, a you know, a, a, almost a linear relationship. I mean, so if you think about just investing in, in a, say, a, a, an index fund or something in the stock market, like if you choose government bonds, something like super safe, you would expect a low return of investment. Whereas if you, in, yeah. in, you know, invest in sort of cryptocurrency or some tech startup or something, you expect a much higher return, but you would also expect that it's possible you could just lose it all. And, yeah. and, and those that that's kind of a law of, of the universe when it comes to, finances is, you know, with great reward comes great risk and, and vice versa. And so if you want to be an employee and show up and, and do, you know, punch your, your, your time card and, and get paid, you know, regardless of how many people are in the class or whether the studio is profitable, it's like, well, you've got almost no risk. So the reward should be quite modest, I feel, in that situation. Whereas if, if you're taking, if you as an employee were to take on, take some of that risk away from the studio owner by saying, hey, look, if we only get, you know, X number of people in the class, you know, I'll just get paid this much, but I'm going to put it out on my socials and I'm going to promote mm -hmm. them and SMS the clients after work and say, hey, I'm looking forward to seeing you in class tomorrow. I'm going to, you know, really pack, do my best to pack that class out. So if we partner together, if we fill that class, you know, how about I get paid this much, you know, and that way the risk is more shared. Absolutely. I think, you know, one of the things I hear so much is that teachers are upset that their classes are not very filled or they're not getting enough clients and studio owners are upset because the teachers aren't marketing. But I think that there's actually just a miscommunication when you brought the teacher on, was that mentioned as an expectation of what the marketing was? Are you paying for that? Is that part, like, is there something in there that's going on? Did you give them collateral to make sure it's on brand and it is saying what you want it to say? Uh, not everyone's a marketer. So like, you know, if you don't think you're really good at it, if the T like, what is the chance of the teachers is the teacher is. So you got to give them the things to say teachers, like, you know, if they aren't, if they didn't ask you to market and you're not marketing, then, you know, it's really a, a cush job, show up, teach and go. And there's nothing wrong with that. Some people have very stressful households. They need to make money. Like they, they have to, they're homeschooling their kids or whatever. So they just need to go and they don't, they don't have the time for that it's okay to honor where you are in this world and that season you're in and say, this is, this is what I can handle risk wise is what I handle work wise. And then, so this is what I'm going to get out of it. And that's, that's okay. No, like you don't have to think of it as like someone's stealing from you or not giving you enough or not valuing you enough. It's all in the conversation. Yeah. 
I and what you're going to bring to the table. As like as a, I owned a studio for about a decade, and um, I think something that we that you touched on there is like so I think something we fail to do dismally in Pilates almost universally is define the KPIs of the role. Like, how do I know if I'm winning if I'm if I'm a teacher at your studio? And for me, it's like, well, number one, like a mile ahead of everything else has got to be like bums on reformers or bums on mats. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's, that's what I'm paying you for. Right. And, and I'm not paying you for your certifications. I'm not paying, paying you for it, how friendly you are. I, I'm not, you know, cause I've had, I've had instructors work for me who were like very taciturn and introverted and whatever, but their classes were full, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah. yeah. And so I think that if, if, if that were if that were agreed on and and made explicit in you know at the at the stage of when we're having a conversation about will I work at your studio, and you say well if you were to come on board with us like I just it's important that you understand that you know we're making an exchange of value here and and I'm paying you money in exchange for bums on reformers you know yeah <laughs> that's what I'm paying for yeah no you you it's it's so true like because so many studio owners are also often teaching in their business because they didn't do what I suggested, which is make sure that their salary is involved in what the studio needs to gross so that they can actually work on the business. So, so many studio owners actually pay themselves when they're teaching and that's the only way they get paid, which makes no sense. Like why own the studio? Um, but just bought a job basically. (laughs) Yeah. Just bought a job, but like they're, so they don't have time to meet with their, their team. But if you actually, created your model so you could actually have time to meet with your team so that teachers know what they're doing well and what they could be doing better. And like when you brought them on, like here are all the things I'm going to do for you as an employee of my studio. Here's what I expect in return. Very clear. Does this make sense? Do we agree upon this before you even come on? And then when you train them and you onboard them, you're onboarding them to make sure that they're successful and you, and you give them feedback. Okay. It's been 30 days here's where you, here's where you started. Here's where you're at so far. Here's what I see that you do. It's really great. What do you think that you're doing? That's really great. What do you think that you could be doing better on? And then here's where I think you could be making some improvements. And then you keep the conversation. Really. It's a conversation. Like they, if they're saying that they are really great at something that you think they're doing terribly wrong, that's a red flag. You're not on the same page. You got to get yourselves on the same page. But it should be, they should know like, hey, your average class rate or your average, you're you're available to teach for us 10 hours a week. And on average, 80% of your bookings are filled. That's huge. That's really awesome. But if you, if they don't know, all they know is how much they get paid. They're not, no, they don't know if that's good, like if they're good or they're bad at their bookings, like then it leaves people really uneasy and kind of feeling unseen as a teacher for you. And then the other thing you have to check on is retention, right? So like, are their classes full, but people leaving, why are they leaving? Where are they going? Right. So like, you know, so it's just something like it's really important that you figure out what's important to you as a studio owner, what you expect to see, what you place value on from your team and then keep them updated so that, they do know what their growth is and then their position in the studio and what their value is. And people will stay for less money where they feel valued, believe yeah. it or not. Like if they feel seen, they'll stay. I, I'm, I'm going to propose something pretty radical here. And I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess you're probably going to endorse this, but we'll, you know, we'll see. <laughs> um, that, you know, something which is totally standard practice in just about every other industry is, is, uh, you know, having KPIs for, a position, you know, for a, for a job 
and measuring people's job success against those KPIs and having, you know, defined levels of, you know, here's, here's a level that meets expectations, here's a level that exceeds expectations, here's a level that doesn't meet expectations. And uh, with a Pilates instructor, I feel it's like it's super simple to do that because we're all using mind, body or some other CRM yeah. that basically allows us to, at, a, at an instant, you know, measure at what percentage of utilization our classes or sessions have. So we can say, okay, well, in my experience, you know, and this is just speaking personally, in my experience, like 82, 85% utilization is really a fantastic number. Like you said before, like yeah. 100%, I believe is just unattainable because people always cancel at the last minute or you know, whatever. So 80, you know, I think 85, you know, 85% to me is like, oh, you know, what can I do to keep this instructor? Um, whereas, you know, 75%, I'm thinking like, okay, that's, you know, depending on how many reformers you've got in your room or whatever, and what you, what the, the business, uh, math is, but you know, whatever your kind of minimum profitable level is of, of attendance, that's the meets expectations level, right? And below that is like, I'm sorry, you don't have a job here if we if we keep having this situation because every class I'm losing money. Right. And then, but that's where some studio owners don't let go of teachers because they are like, but I can't find another teacher. And it's like, well, the one that you have is costing you money. It's actually going to make you, you know, and, um, and, and I, I think a lot of studio owners forget that people take up the container that they're given. So People are like, here's, I'm just going to open up all these classes all at once. And it's like, make sure, make sure like they're all, make sure the most popular times are filled first, get a wait list going, then survey people and say, would you like these times or like these times and slowly open up other times so that you actually can give teachers a chance to have a proper KPI on like bookings because maybe they're an amazing teacher, but you have 25 classes on the schedule that are half filled. And so what if you only had 12 skets, 12 classes that are totally filled, like then you're actually making money. And then teachers are also, you're seeing their, their true worth as well. But I, I'm 100, I think that like, oh, I wish that every studio owner set in their schedule, like every new teacher has to have a really a strong onboarding. They should feel very much part of the community. There should be a 30 day, 60, 90. And then after that, you can do annual I think it's also really important to tell people what you look for when it comes to getting a raise. Like, where does that happen? Do they get a raise because you increase the rates and that you do that every year? Or do they get a raise because they are filling their classes? I am, I'm, I, this might shock people, but like there's a lot of HR departments that would agree with me that giving a raise based on how many years someone has been with you is not really like, that doesn't, they can be with you for five years and have 50% of their classes filled. That doesn't mean they deserve a raise just because they've been with you for five years and they're the longest running teacher. So I'm, I'm definitely more performance-based versus like time. And then, um, you know, if someone comes in, they're like, I've got 10 years experience, but they're just sort of working for you. Then I would definitely figure the sliding scale for them to prove that even though they have 10 years experience, they should get paid what you're five-year experience teacher is, but who is fully booked. Like you should really have some understanding around that with your teachers. I, I could not agree with you more on that, Leslie. I think that is such a problem um, in our industry, this expectation that we get paid for the number of certifications we have or the number of years experience that we have or the number of years we've been in the business. Whereas as a business owner, we should like, why, why should we care about any of those things? If I'm hiring you as an employee to do a job and the job is put X number of people on reformers every, every session, Right. Well, what do I? If you can do that day one out of your out of your certification, I sh, why should I pay you differently than if it, it's ten years later? And and likewise, if you've been in, an employee for ten years and you're underperforming, 
why should I pay you more than my high performing staff? It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, I think like, you know, I think, look, I, I, uh, I, I definitely want everyone to continue to learn. I think that's really important. I don't want, and I'm sure Raph agrees with me there, but the truth is, is I run an like, education business. So I definitely want people yeah. to <laughs> he agrees there. But let me just tell you, I did one of my trainings and I was, I was already booked before I even finished it. Right. Um, I, uh, my clients didn't go, Ooh, let me pay you more. The, t- the studio I worked for didn't go, let me pay you more now that you've finished. No, I was now, now for this actually really qualified to do what I was doing. And then when I did a second, I did a master's training. I mean, I raised my rates. My clients were like, you know, are you going to raise your rates every time you get more education where you're doing just fine the way you were like, <laughs> people are not like, well, I trained with Jay Grimes. You know what they said? My client said to me, you're going to charge us more just because you want to go train with this guy. Like what is he doing for us? Right. So just so you know, like if you are getting people results, that's what they care about. I know I care deeply about the education I got and I kept, I got it because it really served me in my confidence around how I saw teaching Pilates the way that I teach it. Cause I was like really struggling why I was feeling like I was rogue when I was not a rogue teacher. I was definitely more in line with how things were, but like I needed to experience that from other teachers, but that's not my, like, that's not what my clients are paying me for it. They're paying me for their transformation, not my transformation. And so that's just really important for, for everyone to keep in mind. You can definitely go keep getting different certifications, but don't do it because you can then charge more, do it because it allows you to reach a demographic of people that you really would like to serve. Or the only way I think it it would enable you to charge more is if it actually made you a a better teacher in the sense of able to deliver better results for your clients that the clients care about. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and you don't phrase it as because I got a new certification, I'm charging you more money. You phrase it as in order to continue to provide the excellent services that I am, here are our new annual rate increases. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, this is an awesome conversation. But before we move forward, let's take a quick break. I just want to quickly mention that if you've got questions, if you've got things floating around your head, question marks, maybe somebody said something at work and you're like, not really clear on what that means, but I'm kind of not confident to ask because I don't want to look kind of foolish in front of people. Well, come ask me and um, you won't look foolish. You'll be a hero for asking awesome questions. And even the questions that you think are like, maybe that's a really stupid question, those are the questions you get the biggest gold stars for asking. So come ask me. We've got a weekly Q&A. It's live. It's called Stop Faking It and Really Know Your Stuff. There's always a bunch of great people online. There's a, always a great conversation and uh, you leave you know, wiser, empowered and uh, feeling a sense of solidarity with like-minded folk. So I'd love to see you. So, all right. So, I mean, this is this, there's so much uh, juicy stuff here to talk about. Can we just go to another question though? Yeah. All right, here's one I think you're going to love. All right, uh, it's from uh, Jordana, and she says, I'd love to know more about creating a formula for providing a quote for contract work. For example, I'm currently needing to put together two quotes. One is a proposal proposal for delivering mat pilates to small groups in a multidisciplinary clinical setting. Uh, I know I need to make a profit for them and for myself, and also I've been given free reign to pick my day, time, number of hours. In the other setting, I would be working for the government, no profit required, for the government, 
but required for Jordana, doing one-to-one sessions with formerly incarcerated women reintegrating into the community. Is there a scalable answer to this? Do I have to consider each instance on a case-by-case basis? Ish and no. First of all, both those opportunities sound super cool. Way to go, Jordana. I am like, I love, especially that second one. Wow. Amazing. Um, Okay. So let's go back to that formula that I told studio owners. So teachers who work for themselves, who get to quote their own rates where they, where they're going, you are going to think about how much you want to gross each year. Take that number, divide it by how many weeks a year you're available to teach. No individual teacher should say 52. Studios might be able to say 52 because maybe they are, but not a teacher. You need a vacation. Okay. So, um, for, I go 48 as a minimum because, but I, 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 I try for me, I mean, for me, I only do 40 weeks, but for, for people that I'm coaching 40 is a minimum in my book. You can get yourself to 47, 46. It really does give you wiggle room for an off week or if you got sick somewhere in there. So let's say you take your gross number divided by 48. You're going to divide that answer by how many days you'll work a week. It is not seven. That's not the answer. It's somewhere under six. Okay. Um, then by how many hours you divide that answer by how many hours you will teach on your working days. So when you do it this way, do y'all see how this includes your admin time? Because it like you're charging for how much you want to make for the year based on how many hours you actually will teach, not work. It's very different. Okay. So that number, Jordana, that's the, that's what you should be aiming to stay above in all of your quotes, in all of your quotes. So whether it's privates, semi-privates, whatever, it doesn't matter. The, the reality is, is that per hour, you should be getting more than that. If you're driving somewhere, you should be considering your driving time as part of the quote. So that's what I would, that's what I would say. And then your look, if you, if for the, everyone is allowed to negotiate, so you can give them this quote and they can negotiate back with you and you can decide, right? Like you can decide how much do I really want to do this? What are the opportunities I could have because of this? Like all of that stuff, like, am I doing it? Like maybe the one for the government, you don't get your magic number, but wow, what an amazing way to give back to the community. And then guess what, Jordana, you just change your prices somewhere else to being a little bit more to make up the difference. Like that's how you do it. Right. So with the one where they have to make a profit, you have to make a profit, let them figure out what their profit margins are. That's not for you to figure out. Again, they can negotiate, come back to you with like options and you can decide if it is worth your time. Right. It's okay to walk away. Walking away from something doesn't mean you said no to money. It just says you mean you said no to that opportunity to say yes to something else. So I think, um, you know, one of the greatest things that I've learned in terms of uh, negotiating and, and sales is something I learned from a mentor of mine, um, which is indifference makes the difference. And basically that's when you, when you are perfectly happy to walk away, like with it, with it, with a glad heart, walk away that's when suddenly it's much easier to make the sale at the higher price because the, because the the client or the person you're negotiating with can sense that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and also like you just have to think about down the road, right? If you undervalued yourself and then they agreed to it, we end up typically blaming the people who are not paying us enough, but we're the ones who agreed to that in the first place. And so, you know, you have to just ask yourself, okay, if I did this for one year, how's this going to make me feel like how much time is this taking away from my other businesses that I could be growing? Because I'm assuming these two other things, it's not like you're going to 
uh, does it, is it going to get you into seven other companies? Like we don't know. Right. So you have to like really be thinking about what, what it is. And I, I would just, I would go one year out and, and are you going to think, Oh, this is an awesome thing. I can't believe I did. Or are you actually like, Ooh, this is flattering. What a cool gig. Like got to think about it. Cause sometimes I think our ego gets in the way and we're like, this is so cool. Like I can't pass up this opportunity. I don't know. Do you want to teach in those clinical places? You know, like really think about it because um, things can be really cool sounding, but they're not where you want to be in five years. So then mm. what's the point? Mm. There, there are so many, all right, there are so many, I just want to go to one more question and there's so many around this topic. I'm going to read out one from Wenner, but I, I can't tell you how many questions I've got that basically say the same, almost the same words. Um, Wenner says, I work for a lot of small business owners and in some cases I'm growing my clientele in those environments as a relatively new instructor where Pilates hasn't been offered before. Pricing myself so that it's affordable to have me on the timetable as my class grows has been something interesting to navigate, particularly as I think their set rates are lower than what is most fair for me. Are there any tips in navigating this as opposed to dealing with bigger, more established places? For full disclosure, I came to an agreement with one business owner that if the student numbers were low during my first term of teaching instead of cancelling as is normal, I would still teach and just not charge. For me, this worked well as it only happened once and maintained continuity of class has paid off in the long term. Um, yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it, it's heartbreaking because like, I know that all these teachers want to teach. And unfortunately, it sounds like a lot of studio owners really just didn't create good profit margins. And I, I, I want to, I would love for everyone to like go back to the drawing board and think about it. But look, here's the deal. It goes back to the risk when, and you have to decide, I think too often, too many teachers are teaching it too many places. And because like, they're like, Oh, I want to make sure like I'm, you know, I'm making enough money here. I'm making enough money there. And that means you're wasting a lot of your own time driving around places. You should never be teaching for free period. I think it's probably illegal in most places to do that. Like at least in the States, you have to give people teachers a minimum wage, even if the, even if you're not charging the client to come in for a session, which is why I don't believe in free intro sessions because you got to pay your teacher for being there. So I think you have to determine, like I didn't start out as a teacher full time when I left my, when I became a teacher, I was working a reg, I had my, still had my real and air quotes job. And then I was, and I was teaching on the side. And then as I started growing my business and working my clients, that's when I started reducing my hours somewhere else. I think a lot of teachers graduate and then they go, I'm a Pilates teacher and they just want to go all in full-time Pilates. But it is very difficult for studio owners to pay you a real salary on half filled or somewhat filled classes. And so there's a give and take there. Like I'm not saying studio owners are, wrong or bad or evil for not charging enough or not paying enough. And I don't know that that's, I don't think the teachers are bad for wanting more money, but I do think that again, it just really has to come to like, you may when I have to leave some of these studios that are not able to fill the classes with their marketing materials and go and go where you can actually fill them. So the places that are filling up, see if you can get more on their table and, and, and renegotiate with them around like here, um, here's what I'm doing for you so far. Is there a way that I can get commission if I keep retention or I keep growing or 
teachers ask studio owners like, Hey, you know, I know you can't pay me more for these classes, but what if I took over your social media for you X hours a week to help you market your business? And then you can get paid in other ways, doing other services around the studio. Like think about and get creative. Like what are you naturally good at that could help the studio out to bring more people in and then ask to get paid for that. It might not be the same as what you'll get paid for if you were teaching a class, but it is a way for you to make more money and really help the studio thrive. Um, as far as like what you should be asking for, the thing is, is like when I ran studios, you know, um, I would always ask teachers on their phone interview, like, how much do you want to make? And if they told me a number that sounded more like they should be in a private studio working for themselves, I would just be honest with them. And I'd say, look, here's the deal. We do all the marketing. We actually bring in 5,000 members into this club that you just have to like weigh that to make them to like get them to have a conversation with you. Um, you're getting health benefits, you're getting vacation time, you're getting sick days, you are getting a discount on all these services. Here are all the things we're doing for you. So we only pay this much to start and here's how you can get a raise. And so students, I hope you hear that. And teachers, it's okay to ask about that in your interview. Like, what are my ways to actually making more money? What are the, what are the, how do you value that? And know that you're not going to get what they're paying because you, you can't, like they have so much overhead to pay. So you have to just maybe, maybe some of you might think like, I'm just going to open my own studio because then I can make what I want to make and I can charge what I want to charge. And I would say, do that. <laughs> I would say, I would say if you have the entrepreneurial spirit and you're seeing that these studio owners are not doing that, then figure out like what would like make a business plan for making your own business and start off with one of everything. That's all I had. And that was, uh, that was very successful. Or even just teach clients online. Or just teach online. You know, now that COVID happened, like people know if they're online clients or they're in-person clients, like they are very clear on that now. And so, um, so, you know, you could do that and then you can charge what you want and make it your own business. And you don't even have to like go to anyone's houses. It's amazing. You could just sit at your house. <laughs> I think so much of what we've been talking about today comes back to what you said before, like, you know, basically going back to first principles with business owners, you know, and a lot of these problems come from um, not having a viable, profitable business that has enough, you know, margin to pay high performing instructors, you know, an attractive salary. So, yeah. you know, I mean, I know that, that this, this, you know, people do four-year MBAs to learn about that kind of stuff. But, you know, in, uh, in a few minutes, <laughs> you know, what, how could, how can we solve this, this giant, giant problem for people? Yeah. I mean, whether you're a studio owner or a teacher, please do those formulas, like sit down and do them. This is what I coach people on. Um, actually Brad and I are working on a really awesome calculator that people can log in and fill out based on these numbers with like duets, like it's a whole thing. Brad's making this very complicated calculator. So we'll, that will be out soon. But for all of you, like, look, if you own a studio, that's amazing. And it comes with a lot of responsibility and it is not easy. And I commend you for that, but you have to, you have to, have to, have to make sure that your profit margins are there right now. And if they're not, then you need to make a plan for getting them there. And everyone listening to this has to implement annual rate increases. The other thing is y'all have to believe there's money in this business because there is, if there wasn't Peloton wouldn't have put Pilates on their platform. Like they just wouldn't have invested in making their spin instructors somehow able to teach Pilates, right? They, they wouldn't have done that. They wouldn't waste the, 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 the landscape on their screen. There's so much money in it 
But the problem is, is the people who are making it are the only, are the ones who believe in it. And they're typically the ones who went to business school. I did not, I, I got a degree in communication, did not business school thing, but I, I became a teacher during a recession. I should have every reason to think that you have to discount yourself and that there's no money in Pilates. But I didn't, I didn't, no one told me that, thank goodness. And so I went into it going, wow, everyone just keeps signing up for my classes because you know, I, I went into it going, I love this so much. This is how much I charge based on like how much I needed to make per hour so that I could leave my job. So I did the math, like, how do I leave my job? How do I make the same amount of money that I was making before? Right. And it, it, it occurred to me that at some point that this wasn't how the world is making it. And it's because it's because we're thinking of it as there's no money in this and I'm doing this as a passion or a hobby and you all have to change your mind. And even if you are doing it for that, then think about the community around you. Like we have to get more, I think we really need to get more as a community over competition and think of it as it's not like I'm trying to undercut the other studio over here or as a teacher, like you got to raise your rates. You don't just got to raise your rates. If you raise them every year, the community around you is going to expect that Pilates studios raise their rates. If you have policies where you charge for late cancels, if there's a studio down the street that doesn't, you've ruined it for every studio in the neighborhood. They have to now be the bad guy. But if we all came together and upheld policies and, and really rate and really charged our worth that would allow value to be spread amongst the teachers and then allow transformation of the clients, you, we would see this industry thrive. But I think we have to stop thinking of it as individuals that we have to think that another studio coming to town is a bad idea and that there is no money in Pilates. And if we can change that, I think we can change this world. Let's get That's- away from the scarcity and, and fear mentality. Yeah. Yeah. More, more people teaching Pilates is better for Pilates. It really is because it just means that more people are going to hear about it, you know? So. And more people doing Pilates is better for Pilates. Like if you've got three reformers in your studio, well, why don't you have six? Why don't you have 10? You know, why don't you have 20? Um, you know, yeah. if you just do the math. Like if you're charging $20 per session for that reformer and you're doing, you know, 20 sessions a week and you're, you know, teaching 48 weeks a year, that's, it ends up, it's like $20,000 a year for mm-hmm. revenue. If you can fill that reformer for every additional mm-hmm. reformer. So if you put on three extra reformers, that's $60,000 a year in extra revenue. It's like, well, yeah. why, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. And if you're like, because I want to just teach privates, then charge plenty. I think over six figures working five days a week, teaching privates. And I was not burning the wick at both ends. I was, and I was not even charging more than the going rate in my neighborhood. (laughs) There was someone who was charging $40 more than me. Now he's pretty famous instructor and you know, there's that, but like I charged based on what I wanted to make that year, based on my gross, my expenses, I made over six figures and it was in, and, and it was not difficult. So you can make the money you want to make, whether you're teaching privates, whether you're teaching duets, whether you're teaching groups, you need to own what that is and price accordingly. That's right. what, like what it comes down so to. So if you yeah. want to have the three reformers, fine, but just charge accordingly. You know, that's, that's a specialty it's Three reformers. Yeah. yeah. If you're like, well, the people down the street only charge $20. Well, if the people down the street have the 12 reformers, then your uniqueness is we only have three. So you get more one-on-one attention and that's why you're paying more because there's only three people. If you want to pay $20, then go be one of 12, right? Like that, like that's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Just own that. Right. And even if the studio down the street also only has three, well, there are, there are a myriad of other ways that you're going to 
be able to differentiate yourself from those people. And mm-hmm. that's, I mean, yep. that's the basic sort of core skill of, of, of a business, I think, is to position yourself so that you are more valuable, you know, to, yeah. to your clients. There are people who, like, there are a lot of people on this planet who will look at something and go, oh, this person's this much, this person's th- lower, I want the more expensive person right. because they think it is more valuable. Well, there's a lot of information about quality that is contained in price. I mean, if you just say, okay, there are, you were t- talking about leggings before, okay, well, there's two pairs of leggings, one's $20, one's $200, even with no information other than just the price, like you've already formed some kind of a view on the on the relative quality of those two leggings, right? And it's, yep. why would it be different for Pilates? Um, and I, I think, you know, we, we, like, I think sometimes we get kind of get sticker shock at our own prices. If we think like, oh, if I charged, you know, if, if everyone else is charging 20, if I charged 40, oh no, that, you know, <laughs> I kind of get, get afraid at that. So how, how can we get yeah. around that? Well, it goes back to like, look, I, I understand that one so much because I was, I grew up without money. Okay. I grew up, I'm an elder millennial y'all. So I grew up with an answering machine where you screen your calls and we would screen them to see if it was a bill collector. And if it was grandma, then we can answer. And like, that's how I grew up. So I understand that sticker shock because I didn't even like, uh, like having a gym membership when I was in high school was a luxury and it's because I got a job so I could afford it. Right. So I, I get it, but it isn't your wallet that's paying for this. It is their wallet. You have to own the transformation that you give someone. And so if you are a new teacher, listen to this, you get one client and you make them your priority. You don't let them miss a single session. You make them come extra. You get them feeling the effects and the benefits of Pilates. And I promise you, they will be a walking billboard for you. And guess what? They're paying you to do that. So that's really freaking cool, isn't it? So I would, I would just say like, we got, we got to stop thinking about our prices as our, it's not your money that's paying for the session. It's their money. And they're, you're not manipulating them. Like they will not buy something that they don't find value in. So it's going to be okay. Like trust that you are not like selling something that doesn't actually do anything. You're not selling like snake oil. This is real stuff. And you're really going to make a change and transformation in their life Own that that has a price. It's going like, literally I have an 82 year old client who I don't get to teach anymore because of COVID and I moved, but for 12 years, he stood taller than his friends. He paid a lot of money to stand taller than his friends. He loved it. Right. So like, that's what we're, that's what I really would love people to do is really just, you got to think about it with the transformation they're going to have and had the life that they're going to have because of you. I've got, I've, I've got so many more questions from, from socials, but I'm just going to read it. This one here. It's from Danielle. She says, uh, hey, Raf and Leslie, I have a question. I hope it doesn't come across as a silly one. I've just finished my certification last week and have been teaching friends and friends of friends from home whilst I was training for no charge. My question is, how much should I approximately charge from home now once I get insurance? In my head, I think it's not their fault that I only have one reformer at the moment, as I would be happy to do group sessions if I had more beds. So then should I offer a lower price, even though it's one-on-one until I get an... I'm sorry, Danielle, I'm laughing because I I can see you talking yourself into a lower price before you've even talked to the customer about it. I know. So then should I offer a lower price, even though it's one-on-one until I get another bed or two? Um, Does that make sense? Thanks. Oh, Danielle, I love you. And here's the deal. I'm so grateful that my apprenticeship charged me to bring bodies in to practice on because I had to charge people. Like, otherwise I was going to pay 
every time I brought someone in, I had to get teaching hours in and they wasn't a lot, but they charged me like $15 for every person I brought in and I charged them 20, <laughs> right? I charged them 20 and um, I laugh at that because I probably could have charged them you know, more and they would have paid it, but it was really great for me because I never gave it away and they had value in it. And they made would they, while none of them became my clients after they definitely gave me testimonials. But for your question, um, for <laughs> that's August, everyone for your question. Um, uh, what I would say is look, go to my formula and do the formula that I talked about. And then you charge a private based on that answer you get. And you cannot go lower than that number because then you're not going to make the money you want to make. When you have another reformer, then you can charge a duet, which is not going to be the private rate divided by two. It's going to be a little bit more money because you're they're saving money on the do on the private, but there it's more work for you scheduling, organizing, teaching. The other thing, Danielle, I don't care if you're teaching at home, on a computer, in a studio, outside. What you charge is the same price. Everyone has, I need everyone to hear this. I don't care what walls surround your information. The transformation is the same. You charge the same. Um, I think that is such, such an important and powerful point that, um, and it's contained within Danielle's question here, but it's also just, I think, an assumption for so many people that what we're providing is somehow like the studio or the reformer or the the, the playlist or the, you know, the whatever. And it's like, no, that's not what we, that's not what we sell. What we sell no. is an experience and a transformation and results for our clients. Like that's what we're selling. You can deliver that, you know, with nothing, no equipment in the park. You can deliver it over the internet. You can deliver it on a beautiful studio with thousands of dollars worth of equipment, but the client's not paying for the equipment. Like clients don't come to you and go, gee, I really want to do a class on a $10,000 Cadillac. Clients couldn't care less about that. What they want is they want to feel better. They want to have better mental health. They want to feel stronger, more confident that, you know, like whatever it is that those particular clients want, they don't care about the equipment. The equipment's just the tool to, to achieve their result. 100%. They also don't like, yes, it's a great selling tool. If you can say we have saunas and we have showers, we have this, those are all unique benefits that might make people say, oh yeah, I can go to that studio in the morning on my way to work. Cause they have this. But like the reality is, is my client, when I had to move from one studio to an open a studio, my equipment was late. I had y'all I had a mat and a one to chair. That's what I had in a 640 square foot space with nothing on the walls. I had to move in early. It was a whole thing. My clients didn't go, Oh gosh, um, I'm only going to pay you a little bit, uh, less than I normally do because this studio isn't what I was paying for. No, they paid me the same amount for these two pieces of equipment. They were used to a whole full studio. They were used to a whole thing. I didn't even have a trash can in the bathroom. Someone's like, where's your trash? And I was like, cool. I didn't get one of those. Thank you so much. They, they didn't, they paid the same amount. And that is something that I, I, I'm so grateful for that experience because I can say with complete confidence that even without having to have been through COVID that people just want you to make them feel better. And so you charge your rate no matter where you are. And I promise you, you will love this job way, way longer and you will have really awesome clients. But if you start discounting yourself for, oh, I'm at home, so I don't have a brick and mortar. Like people aren't going, oh, well, since it's at your house, like you're going to charge me less than the student on the street. No, you have expenses. Like if you do it right, my, my Pilates studio pays my fan, my household 
to rent that room, <laughs> you know? So there's an expense there, right? So like, there's just, you gotta be, you know, I, I, I know it's scary to say that. And it's like, I don't know what people are going to say. They're not going to say anything. They're not paying attention to that. People don't pay attention to the things you think they care about themselves. They're so self-centered. That's great. That's okay. That's what's going to make you um, have awesome clients because they really just care about their transformation. You'll be like, okay, this is how much I charge. Doesn't matter. You can do it online. If you're late at work, we'll do it on virtual. Then you don't lose a client, right? And you don't go, oh, here's $20 back because you couldn't make it to the studio. Like, you know, no. So I'll get on a, on board with that one. Yeah. Uh, just in our business, you know, we, we don't teach Pilates to clients. We teach people to be Pilates instructors. But when COVID came, you know, we were an in-person business. We had a facility with 20 plus reformers and Cadillacs and barrels and all of the rest of it, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment. And uh, we pivoted online in COVID and now students have to provide their own reformer <laughs> to practice at home. It's all online. Um, and we've put our prices up and we've actually got more students now than we had before. And yeah. that's because we're providing more value. So we've, we've figured out a way to provide more value online than we were providing in person and the value doesn't reside in the equipment that we provide or the, it resides in the transformation that our students experience. And you yeah. know, we, we understand that's what they want. What's so cool about that is now your students are graduating with some equipment already in their hands. Like they're already set to go. And so, you know, I think like, I, I think that there's just, there's, there, there are multiple ways to make a living in this business. You don't have to be all in person or you don't have to be all online. You could be something. You just have to decide, how do I want to show up on this planet? How do I want to teach? How do I want to serve people? Mm. And then start with that magic number. And most of these questions that I'm sure we haven't, we're not going to be able to answer a ton of them. I bet you, if I say, go back to the formula, it will give you the answer you want. And, and I say that to our members and agency all the time. I'm like, like, how much should I charge for this workshop I want to do? What's your number? Like, what is the minimum you will show up for to teach? Okay. Now we work from there. Like it's always that number is going to help you figure out what you do. And people who are employees who do that formula, it's not going to work for you because you are working for someone else who has to run that formula. So you don't have a say in what they charge. You don't have a say in their marketing. So just know that it doesn't work if you're an employee. It only works if you are working for yourself or your or, or, um, your own business. Right. And I, I would say, though, if you're an employee that, you know, like you kind of said before about, okay, well, if, if you want to earn more money as an employee, well, you've got, essentially got to make yourself more valuable you know, to mm -hmm. that business. And then you just have to have a conversation to the business owner and say, okay, what would it look like for me to be worth this much? You know, what, yeah. yeah, what, what value would I have to provide for you, you know, in order for, in order for me to be worth, you know, this much money. And the answer might be like, sorry, there's nothing that you could do that would be worth that much to me. Or it might be like, well, if, if your classes were this full, you know, or if you did mm -hmm. some of the marketing for us, or if you, you know, signed, rolled up half an hour before class and signed everyone in, or, you know, who knows, there might be opportunities there. Yeah, because I think so many studio owners are trying to wear so many hats. If a few teachers were like, hey, I'm actually really good at newsletters. I'm like, love to write. You know, the studio should be writing a newsletter every week, at least. If you could roll, if you could do that for a studio owner and they were like, drag it on that. Oh, that's, you could like, that's worth the studio owner money. So I think get creative and like really understand what your, what your, what other value adds you have. We all have unique skills and unique traits. And, and uh, I think, gosh, y'all, it's, 
it's, I think the communication is where a lot of things lack, where studio owners think that the teachers are asking for too much or not doing enough. The teachers feel like the studio owners aren't doing enough, but like really no one knows what the other person's actually doing. And (laughs) and if we just sat down at the table and really got clear on like what I bring to the table, what you bring to the table, what my expectations are, what your expectations are, I think there'd be a lot more in the world, the way the businesses are working y'all. If you look at like, I'm going to bring up Peloton again. If you look at them, they, if you, the the way Peloton works, they promote their teachers as much as they promote Peloton. Like they are highlighting the teachers all the time. Right. Why? Teachers that motivate. Teachers that motivate. Teachers that motivate. And then the teachers love working there because they're seen and valued and it's becoming this thing. And I just, interviewed this guy who has a really awesome, uh, a really awesome plugin tool for mind body that actually helps you create community in your business. And he said like studio owners have to stop seeing teachers as someone who could walk away and take their business away. You have to start seeing yourself as a place that your teachers want to stay and teachers. Yeah. Teachers have to see that the studio owner is providing them a space a stage to like rock and be themselves. And so really we need each other. You need each other. And so we've got to find a way to party together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and move towards a, a win-win mentality of how do we, how do we lift each other up and how do we both win and, and the, and the clients win all, you know, all together. Yeah. It's so possible. It's so possible. I see it happen all the time. I see it happen all the time. So, you know, um, I feel for you if you're listening to this, you're like, Leslie, oh my gosh, I did this formula and my number is like $50 away. That's scary. That's like scary, scary. But that there's ways to get creative and there's ways to figure that out. But if you don't make a profit, you're not here to serve your people. And I say this all the time. So if you don't know me, then you don't know. I say this almost every day. You're the only person who can do what you do the way that you do it. You are the only person who can do what you do the way that you do it. If you don't survive this, right? If you don't, if you don't make it in business because you didn't charge enough and you didn't market the right way and you didn't bring your teachers on in the right way, then the people who are you the best here to serve are going to end up stuck with someone else who's probably going to do a good job with them, but not the best job, not the job you could do. So truly you have a moral obligation to like slay in business. You just do because <laughs> then you can help the people that you're here for. And and they are going to, they, they, they're going to pay for their transformation somewhere and it should be from you. Yeah. And all right. So there's been so much gold here. There are two more things I want to ask. One's, one's a question from okay. me and one's a question from, uh, from socials. So the first one is from me and it's like, all right, so just say I'm, I'm a studio owner out there or I'm an instructor and I'm, I'm, I'm somehow I'm, I'm basically in charge of my own destiny. Like I can put my prices up for my clients if I want. So I go to your website, I use your tool and we'll link to it in the show notes and, and basically I figure out, okay, here's my number and oh, that's a lot bigger than what I'm currently charging. Okay. And so I've got to go to my existing client base and somehow I've got to say to them, you know what, you've been paying, you know, $20 for the sessions. And you know, the price is now $60. <laughs> right? Right. So how do, how do I have that conversation? Yeah, it's not going to be easy. Um, that's a big difference and it's, and, uh, but here's the deal. You need to get closer. So what you're going to do is you're going to say, Hey, as of this date, your prices are going to go up to $35. I know that sounds like a lot, but the reality is, is I, 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 I've been undercharging you and I'm, if I don't, charge this, then I can't stay teaching. So, um, now the people that I'm bringing in new are coming in at $60. (laughs) 
So you're still getting a great deal. You're still getting a great rate. And um, if you can only come once a week now instead of twice a week, totally understand. I also have this person who can join you. We can do it virtually for X amount, right? So it could be $20 per person, which is what they're used to. And then you can be bringing in duets. If you don't have two reformers to bring them in person, you do it virtually. And you do, this will be the day that we do our mat work. And you can then be making closer to your magic number with those two people on the old rates. Your new rate, everyone new, and anyone they refer to you comes in at the new rate. And then you have probably about a year to slowly bring everyone together because then you gotta keep raising people up. And it's not gonna be fun, but the truth is, is that if you are do if you're really adding value to those people who are were paying a discounted rate, they want you to stay in business. They will work up with you, or you create other opportunities for them to stay with you at a lower rate. So you bring a semi-private together, you bring a class together. Um, when I raise, when I raise my rates, I always offered a duet price, and I would say, look, if you can't afford the private here's a duet. Do you have a friend who can come with you? And that's how I ended up bringing in more duets. And here's the beauty of that. You make more in that hour with those two people. And so then you're getting closer to your magic number. Even if you have some people who are on the older scale, my goal though, is that you don't have old rates and new rates forever because that's going to make you go crazy. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, that's the way I would do it as well, but there is one build I would put there, which is I would, I would anchor to the $60 first. I would say, Hey, uh, Leslie, you know, you're on $20 and I love having you as a client, as a client and work well together. I think we're getting great results. Uh, and on such and such a date, say 30 days hence or whatever, uh, my rate's going up to 60. Yeah. Um, and then I'll just leave a minute, moment of silence there for you to get some, <laughs> get your breath back. <laughs> and I say, but for you, because I value yeah. your client so much, 35. Yep. That's, that's, that's a, it's a really easy way to do it y'all. And, and the thing is, is like uncomfortable conversations suck, but you have to own the fact that the uncomfortable conversation happened because you undervalue yourself at the beginning. Right. It's what they, it's what they say about, um, injury and exercise. It's like, it's, it's not too much too soon. It's too little, too long for too long, <laughs> followed by too much. Yeah. Too soon. And it's the same here, right? It's, it's not the uncomfortable conversation about putting your prices up. It's the problem that you've been undercharging for so long that now you have to put your prices up so much. That's the problem. Yeah. And, and I will say, I will say I had, um, I have a friend who, when she raised her rates, she raised them $20 flat out for like, just raised them. And she had questioned like, should I do 10 now? And then 10 later. And she decided that no, if she's going to stay in business, she'd do 20. And I have another friend who needed more time. And so she was like, I'm going to raise my sessions $25 because I need more time. Right. So I need to actually get some people to leave. Not only did she not lose anyone, <laughs> didn't lose anyone. So now she didn't get what she wanted, but she's making 25 extra dollars an hour. Right. The other person who had to make that change, she has never looked back and regretted that ever since. And she is, she raises her rates every six months, every six months, because your businesses are constantly going, your expenses are constantly going up. Um, every time we've raised our rates, uh, back when I was running a studio, uh, it, it's just quite a simple, you know, we had a pretty similar, um, experience of like, you basically don't lose anyone. Um, but you know, sometimes you do lose some people. And I think though that the goal should not be to never lose anyone. You know, the goal should be to keep more of the right kinds of clients who are a perfect fit and let the other ones go and find someone else who is, who's a better fit for them. Right. And that's just it. Again, know who's in your area. And so people can't afford you go, 
here are some people who can, who can, who are in my price range. You know, when I moved here, um, some to, I'm in Las Vegas now, y'all I moved here from Los Angeles. I'm in Las Vegas and a woman in the neighborhood next to me, she DM me and she's like, Oh my gosh, what are your private rates? I would love to come and do Pilates with you. And I told her what they were. And she said, Oh, whoa, that's way more than I was expecting. And I said, totally understand. I just moved here from Los Angeles. I actually, um, I cannot charge anything less than this for several reasons. But one is I'm still teaching people in LA and it would not be fair to them for me to charge you a different rate because you live here and them a different rate and they're virtual and they're four hours away and they live in a more expensive place. Like that's not right. So here are three of my friends in town that are in the neighborhood that I know charge less than me. And she was so grateful. And so it's okay to let people go. The other thing is when you raise your rates, if you raise them 10%, that means you can lose 10% of your clients. I mean, making the same amount of money <laughs> and, 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 and you're teaching less and that gives you more time to go market to people who, who, uh, you want to be teaching and, or enjoy making that money and teaching less. <laughs> right. And there's no way you're going to lose 10% of your clients by raising your prices 10%. Like my experience of raising prices just about every year for a decade is if you raise your prices by 30%, you lose like 2% of your clients. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you're, you're, it's so true. And I, it, we make the problem bigger in our head, but like, you know, I didn't leave my teacher every time she raised her rates, you know, like think about Have you left any of your teachers cause they raised their rates right. or, or just well, think like, about like, you know, most of us subscribe to Netflix or, or whatever. It's like occasionally you get, I get an email from Netflix going, Hey, it's going up a dollar a month. I'm like, I can't even remember how much it is like dollar a month. Who cares? Well, 100%. And I, <laughs> Okay, I start with them at seven ninety nine. I think they're. Char- I don't know. Brad told me the other day how much they're charging us. I'm like, when did we agree to this? Like, what's? They don't even ask. They literally tell you, right? They literally tell you. They give you no warning. Like, it's like, okay, your rate is this much. It's like, take it or leave it. So most people, even though there might be some people get curmudgeonly and cranky about you raising your rates, like they're the same people who get curmudgeonly at Starbucks when Starbucks raises their rates and they like, like, you know, like, like moan at the barista and it's like, it's not the barista's fault. They're just share like those people, you know who those people are and they are always going to be that way. And it has nothing to do with the rates. It has everything to do with like how they perceive change. (laughs) Right. They're the same people that complain when you change your schedule. Um, We used to have people that complained when we took classes off, but they'd also complain when we put new classes on, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's just who they are. And you have to ask yourself, is this someone that if I got 15 of them, I would want to keep teaching them? Probably not. Probably not. So why are you considering them in your rate increase? You have to consider your family, like the legacy you want to leave behind, like the pills. You have to think about all the people, the people in your community. There's a lot more to think about than that one person that you're worried about is going to complain. All right. Your very last question is, uh, I think it's pretty, sh- I think your answer is going to be pretty short to this one, I'm, I'm guessing, but it's from Maggie Lee. And uh, she says, great topic. I would love to hear how others manage rates that are accessible for all people in the community while still getting paid for the level of expertise. Okay. So I wrote a blog about this. This is great. First of all, I do believe it's important that we figure out ways for all people to be, have accessibility to Pilates, but that doesn't mean that you discount your services for everyone because no one is Googling discounted Pilates near me or Pilates on sale near me. Some of them are Googling, they're Googling Pilates near me, or they're asking Google a question about a back pain that they have and you hopefully show up. So here's what you do. You consider 
um, how much you, you consider your magic number. And then you actually try to add more money to all the other sessions of the people who can afford it, that you, that, that money, and you can literally say the price of your session includes payment towards a donation for X community of people to be able to take Pilates. So that's really fun. Cause now people feel like they're being charitable. And then you basically got paid from the other hours of teaching to teach this group of people for free for discount for whatever. Right. So like you actually include your price to teach at, um, a, a lower rate or no rate to serve people who who need Pilates, which is everybody, but can't afford it. The other thing I want you to consider is not doing it in your space because the reality is, is that people who, who can't afford Pilates probably don't live near where your studio is. They just probably, they probably don't. And even like, even if they do, they need childcare, there's other things. So try to get into community centers near where they are, drive your car to them and teach them Pilates where they are. And I know and I know that you're going to actually make the effect and have the effect that you want to have. And I love that. And I commend you. I want, I wish everyone could have either a way to take money in to pay another teacher to do these community classes or to take money in so that they could themselves could offer these community classes. They are very valuable. They're very needed. But it, what I typically see is people discount all of their classes for, so that they're accessible to these people or they have a discounted or a donation-based class in their studio, but they're not reaching the people who that class is for. They're not marketing to them or those people don't have the half hour to drive to the class, take the class in the half hour to go back. You have to think about these things and like really meet people where they are if you want to offer these. And I hope you do. What an awesome answer. Leslie, uh, where can people find you and uh, where can they find your magic tool? I guess we'll, your calculator, we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes. But yeah, if people want to like learn more about what you do and, and learn more from you, where can they find you? So ProfitablePilates.com is where you can find me um, on Instagram. I'm at ProfitablePilates. Um, if you want to know Pilates stuff, that's my other handles. It's at Leslie.Logan. But for this, um, it's profitapplies.com. The tool is being built as we speak. So what I highly recommend is you get on our email list, which you can do at profitapplies.com. And you will be the first to know when that tool is ready. It should be ready in June, but it's quite, um, it's quite the thing. And then the other thing that we do is we always go over people's numbers with them in our agency mini program, which is our one week coaching program that we offer two times a year. Um, so you can find out more about that on our site um, if you're wanting some hands-on attention around that. And is that for studio owners or instructors or both? It's both. It's what I, here's what I love about our agency program is we have the studio owners and the teachers in the same rooms together because when a studio owner has a complaint about a teacher, the teacher's feedback is so good. Like it's not because the te their teacher's not in the room, right? But another teacher is like, oh, you know, this happened in the studio I was at and I wish the, the studio owner handled it this way or, Hey, have you thought about asking her X, Y, and Z? Right. So like the teachers are actually giving information to studio owners that they wish a studio owner did for them. And then when a teacher has a question like, Oh, you know, I feel like I'm not getting paid enough at my studio. The studio owners can go, here's how I wish teachers would ask for a pay raise from me, or here's what I wish teachers would understand, or here's like, they give, they, they share. And so really it truly makes, um, everyone's experience. Like they get a much better coaching experience because they get to see the other side and that's really fun. Um, and then my husband's in there and he does all the tech 
coaching and all the SEO coaching, and all the website stuff. So yeah, we, we do that all year long inside of agency, which is our ongoing coaching group. But a lot of people like to test it out in agency mini. I get it. You want seven days to see if like you've never had a business coach that can be unique and, and new. So we have that. And it's also our uh, most affordable price point for coaching with us. And um, I mean, I, I've, I've had business coaches over the years and it's like, I just can't articulate the incredible value that you get from having a, a good business coach. It can literally be hundreds of thousands of dollars. I, I literally like, I'm pretty good. I, I was like, I was like, I'm a really good coach. You know, first from my experience, from my education, from, you know, all the things when I hired myself a coach, I not only became a better coach because I got to be in that experience. Um, but I continue to up level myself, which allows me to up level our group. And what's so incredible is like, you know, when I started this coaching program, um, the, the first year I had it, one of my first members, she made $20,000 more that year. Right. So now I have to be a coach that can coach her at a higher level. So I have to keep up leveling, up leveling and the community just continues. So when people come in where they're at, the people have been there for three years are like, Oh, here's how you do this. And here's how you do this. And it's just really beautiful. But I think a lot of people get scared. They don't want to invest in their business coaching. So they invest in a one to chair class or something else. And again, not knocking learning, but people aren't going to you because you're the one to chair queen. They're going to you because you know how to tell them that you can change their life. And that's what a business coach can do. That's what, what we help people do. Yeah. Great. Well, I'm going to check it out and um, yeah. thanks so much for this conversation, Leslie. I hope people have got value out of it. I'm pretty sure, pretty sure they will have. Yeah, hit me up, screenshot this podcast and put your takeaways and tag me. And um, do you have your own um, Instagram handle for this? Or is it just brief? Uh, we don't have a Pilates Elephants Instagram. Um, oh, yeah. So they can tag breathe yeah. and wrath. <laughs> tag breathe, uh, hashtag breathe education. want to know. Yeah, we'll put the links in the show notes as well. Yeah, this is so cool. You are, this is awesome. Thank you for coming up with this topic. Obviously I could talk to it about it for hours and uh, I'm just so grateful. Uh, it's, it's been really fun um, every time I get to chat with you. So thank you for having me and all of you, thank you for dealing with the dogs in the background. <laughs> yeah, likewise, Leslie, um, they're, you know, they're, you're one of uh, a few um, folk who I feel are kindred spirits in, in this realm, in the, in the Pilates uh, stratosphere. And uh, I always, always pick up some gold every time we talk so thanks very much uh, thank you thank you so much after two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily i've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the clinical exercise specialist rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means you keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So 
rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in our uh, link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.